everybody, it's John. Thanks for listening to The Hustle. I'm going to get the business out of the way first this time. Please leave us a review on iTunes. I don't know if you guys know this, but that's how podcasts are recommended, ranked. That's how they show up in searches, in like prime spots. Please leave us a review. Uh, Personally, I don't care if it's good or bad. I think the better ones are what get you up and down on the rankings. I just want to know how we're doing. I'd love to interact with listeners uh, more fully. Find us on Facebook. You can email me at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Send me recommendations of people you'd like me to track down. And find us on Twitter at The Hustle Pod. This week, the guest is Christopher Thorne, who was the guitarist for Blind Melon. Now, the story here, to me, is blatantly obvious. You are a young band. You've achieved worldwide fame with your debut album. You sell four million copies. And just as you are going into your second album and sort of maintaining or sustaining that level of fame, the frontman of your band dies suddenly of a drug overdose. And what do you do? What do the rest of the guys who are, frankly, lesser known than Shannon Hoon, the lead singer, what do those guys do for the rest of their lives? How do they pick up the pieces? How do they maintain careers? This was probably the easiest interview of all the ones that I've done because the story was so obvious. My only concern was that, is Christopher going to be willing to go there? And will he have a similar idea? And will he be willing to express it? And he absolutely was. It was a fascinating, wonderful interview and discussion with Christopher. We got into the deep, true depths of you know what those moments right after were like, how you pick up the pieces, what went through his mind emotionally, spiritually. It's a fascinating conversation. And he's now putting together a new band that is amazing. They sound nothing like Blind Melon, but they are amazing. And they're on the cusp of coming out with their first album, making a big splash. It's really, really, really interesting. This is also our first listener request. As I've said, I encourage you guys to send me uh, suggestions of people you want me to look up. A listener named Shannon Lessinger recommended Blind Melon to me. In fact, other people had too, but Shannon was the loudest. And I thought, that is a perfect idea. That is a great, great story. So I just want you to know that we listen to you and uh, we go out and try and find these people. Christopher called me from his home in LA. Well, Christopher Thorne, thank you for joining us on The Hustle. Um, I, uh, you know, I got turned on to you guys. I always kick this off with how I got turned on or a story or an anecdote. And um, I got turned on to you guys pretty much when everyone else did. And I, but I remember very distinctly, and we don't, I don't want to spend the whole time going back into, you know, the dark past, but I remember very distinctly, I was at my friend Ryan, Ryan Ragazine's house watching MTV, <laughs> Yeah. And MTV News came on, and it said Shannon Hoon had died. And I yeah. remember the exact phrase that went through my head, which was, whoa. Yeah. What now? What yeah. now was my, was my question. And, and I thought, I, I, don't, I mean, I could beat around the bush, and we could talk about other things first, but we would just be you know, prolonging the inevitable. Why don't we talk about this first, and we'll go back to some other things later. But what went through your mind? I mean, tell me this, tell me, you know, how you, how you dealt with it. Well, you know, you go, I mean, you're in shock, you know, when it happens. So, you know, it's all, it's all pretty, 
pretty great, but I, I guess I was in denial. I mean, quite honestly, it's, uh, I guess that's, you know, one of the things they say that, you know, that happens when, when, when someone passes away unexpectedly. I, I, you know, Shannon was such a great, amazing prankster that for the longest time, I thought he was just going to call me up you know, and just go, ah, got you, you know, fucking got mm-hmm. you, you know, I played a joke <laughs> on you. He he would have been the guy to do something like that. So, really? you know, and even though, even though I, you know, saw him laying in front of me dead, I yeah. still had a hard time processing, you know, that he truly was gone. Like, I just was mm-hmm. in denial for, for a long time. And you go through all these phases, you know, when someone like that passes away, you know, like you're just, super bummed and super sad and then you know you're in denial and then at at a certain point then you just get you get fucking mad you know then you get mad at them like man you know you just get pissed off that it that it happened and you kind of flip-flop between you know super mad super sad you know uh it's all kind of wrapped up into one thing for for quite some time really you know it's not something Mm -hmm. you, you ever really get over you just kind of learn to process some of it you know right right you just mentioned something that I hadn't thought about before. I envisioned you getting a phone call that told you that Shannon was dead. But did he die right in front of you? Were you present? No, no, did, no. What, he tell was, me about that moment. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we drove from uh, Houston into New Orleans. And uh, at that point, we were lucky enough to, you know, we were on a tour bus, but we were also getting hotel rooms. So when we got okay. uh, to New Orleans at whatever, six or seven in the morning, we all checked in to our hotel rooms. And that was really the last time I saw Shannon was in the elevator on the way up to the hotel rooms. Um, And then I found out later that he then sort of split, you know, and uh, we don't know what he did, but at some point he crawled back onto the bus to go to sleep because at that point the bus a few hours later was going to drive to the venue. So in his head, I'm sure Mm -hmm. he thought, well, I'll just wake up for sound check at the venue, mm-hmm. so I'll crawl back. Mm-hmm. I'll crawl back uh, in the bus. So he passed away on the bus. So yeah, I did get a phone call in my hotel room, wow. and then I ran, and then I, uh, and then I ran down to the bus, you know, just yeah. to see if it was really true, you know. And then I saw, I saw them, you know, take his body off the off the bus. Right. How? I mean, did he when he left the hotel? Forgive me if I don't know, you know, the moment-to-moment or remember how it all went down, but when he left the hotel, did he go out and score? I mean, I assume he I don't did, know. Right? You know, I mean, we don't know, you know. We don't, okay. We don't, Either we don't that really or know. he just had everything with him. I mean, he had plenty of drugs the night before. I know that for a fact. Okay. So I, don't, I, you know, I don't know, you know, what he did in the morning, but, the, I mean, he, it wasn't like he didn't have anything. I mean, he was okay. definitely, you know, well, well-stocked, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, I mean, so I'm 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 imagining a whole range of emotions, like you said, going through your brain when you're hearing about this. And at some point, I mean, there's different things. There's a buddy of mine died. There's a guy I, and then it's a close friend of mine died. Then yeah. it's there's got to be also a level of what am I going to do now? I mean, I don't well, that, I don't that, mean to. Minimize yeah, the no, death, but at some point it impacts you, right? No, I mean you're you just you nailed it. And um, it's funny, I was just telling someone the other day. They were uh, I don't know how it came up, but I, you know, I explained to them. I explained it like this. You know, it's bad enough when your best friend dies, but 
when your best friend dies and your CEO of your company or yes. your quarterback of your football team or your president of your whatever, whatever you want to call it. He's the singer. He's the yes. CEO of Blind Melon <laughs> Incorporated. So yes. in one day, it would have been bad enough to lose my best friend, but to actually lose my job, yes. uh, my livelihood, everything that we had worked so hard for, you know, you know, it, it was uh, such a mind fuck. I, it's even hard to even explain, you know, what I, I was going it. through. But it's frightening as hell. You really just, you know, you're because 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 you're not just mourning your best friend's death. You know, you're mourning like right. your own your own the death of your career. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm uh, glad to hear you stuff. be this open about it because those are the kinds of thoughts I'm thinking. But I don't want to force them on you or sound like I'm being insensitive or anything like that. Obviously, we're not, we're just talking about, you know, how this, how life carries on after these moments. But, I mean, I'm like you said, he's the face of your band, and your band has just sold 4 million albums, and you're yeah. on, like, the cusp of worldwide yeah. fame, and it's gone like that. Yeah, and I mean, that's I, the I part. I assume, you tell me, what's the down, what's the other side of this, of this incident? What's that look like? Well, you know, it took, you know, it took a while to recover, you know, I mean, we, uh, you know, it's just hard, you know, you, you, you yeah. basically, you fucking start over again, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you're just, and then you're, you're just like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm starting over again, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even, you don't really think about that. I mean, for the longest time, you're just fucking sad that your, your best friend's sure, gone. And he, he was so, I mean, he was so fun to be around. Don't get me wrong. It was crazy and insane and there was a lot of you know a lot of it was super tough and dysfunctional and all that all the crazy cliche bullshit things that go go yeah. along with being in a, a rock and roll band are were 100 percent true with us we lived the, you know it's it's the cliche rock and roll story isn't it complete with you know yeah, the OD at yeah, the end of the story really so um but you know for the longest time i was paralyzed you know i just didn't know what what the fuck to do i, I remember yeah. just kind of not being able to get out of bed for quite some time and just sure. literally being paralyzed. And then and then at some point you just go, well, okay, it looks like I'm starting over again, you know. And then you, yeah. you, you you piece it together. But, you know, we were lucky enough that we had made, you know, a bit of bread at that point. Sure. And, you know, and uh, so we weren't, you know, we weren't broke. But you do right. wonder, you know, you do wonder how long that, you know, that will last. And you Well, you know, yeah, right? I mean, all, all that your lifeline's gone. In yeah. a way, you know. Who knows and then when I just any... missed it. I mean, even even yeah. like yeah, without, that's the yeah yeah without the even without the the financial you know sure. uh, aspect of it, you're you're just living this uh, the most. It's really the most privileged life mm-hmm. ever. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's like every boyhood dream. You know, you're yeah. opening for the Stones and opening for Neil sure. Young, and you're on the cover yeah. of Rolling Stone and blah blah blah. Like every yeah. amazing boyhood dream I had was came true and then and it literally ended in one in one phone call so sure it's quite a lot to wrap your your head around you know and the truth I is this imagine. i said this to somebody recently too i said the crazy part is all this happens so much happens in four or five years the whole career happens in four or five years so when shannon died i'm still trying to figure out how the success happened like my mm. head's still spinning oh, from the point. last the last sure. two years of like being able, like shit was happening so fast to us. I wasn't even able to process like all these crazy, amazing things that were happening because they were happening so fast. So yeah. like, 
I had really sat down and gone like, oh, shit, wow, it happened. They're like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't really, yeah. you're not taking it in because you're so busy. You're on to the next sure. tour. You're on, you're writing songs for the next record. So then when it ends, not only am I dealing with the fact that he's gone and I just miss him, then, like, I'm starting to go like, holy shit, what just happened to me? Like, yeah. I think. I think I was in a band that did really well. Like it all feels like it all feels like a fucking dream at that point. You know? Oh yeah. It's well, surreal. and probably even now. I mean, you've been soldiering on for twenty years since then, and I mean, you've done. You've. I've imagined. I imagine you've had a lot of musical experiences in your life, but this thing is still a flashpoint. Like this four-year, out of nowhere, flash of fame that yeah. had no precedent and had no what is the antecedent, whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's like yes, one yes. glitch yeah. in the, yeah. on the, on the uh, EKG. That is yes. nuts. That is yeah. nuts, man. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So, now, how, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, how, talk to me about the drugs. I mean, I know that he obviously had major problems that led to his death, but what's, how bad is it, is the drug problem in the band? Are you guys, is everyone else kind of relatively clean and you're able to kind of like, hey man, no, snap I mean, out we of this? All, or is everyone, you know, poorly I mean, I functioning? Say, I wouldn't say everybody, but I would say almost everybody in the band is experimenting and using drugs, you know, using drugs to create records, using mm-hmm. drugs for fun, you know, like all the above sure. were. Yeah. We're uh you know, we're twenty year we're twenty year old kids and you know, it just happened for us and we're, you know, semi rich and semi famous and we're immortal, right? When you're twenty yeah. you're immortal, aren't you? Totally. Yeah. Totally Nobody dies, you know. You don't know anybody no. who's died, you know. So yeah. we were stupidly, you know, living living in that in that dream in that in that world. And then, you know, the reality hit us. But but yeah, you know, I it's unfair for people to think that Shannon was the only person that was, you know, okay. going down that path. I mean, he was, yeah. he was the master of ceremonies and he was definitely, you know, he was definitely the king when it came to, you know, that world and doing drugs and all that. But we were all, for the most part, most of us were, you know, that's kind of how you hung out with Shannon, quite honestly. I mean, I wrote yeah, every I song. I mean, every song I ever wrote was, you know, us doing drugs and staying up till sunrise and, that's how all those songs got written. So we were all a part of it. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. we're all guilty. We're all guilty and we're all, you know, guilty for not stopping it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did it, um, I, and again, you can be as honest as you want to be, did it scare you, scare you straight at all? Or what? what was your, what's your history with drugs since then? Yeah, I know I did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it scared, okay. the, it scared the hell out of us. It was definitely okay. a... A wake up call, you know. It was definitely yeah. a wake up call. I think for for most for most of us, it was like, oh, oh, wow, okay, yeah, reality. Yeah. It's and you realize yeah. you're not immortal, and you know, it can just all go away. Now that's so. interesting because I, uh, I mean, I don't know. You were saying how difficult it was to even get out of bed after this time. I mean, did you go through a period of depression? I mean, what? How yeah. was there a period? And and you know, so often, especially to drug users that's the time to use is during your, you know, dark clouded soul hour of the soul during in depression. I mean, how are you dealing with that? Well, drugs weren't like that for me, quite honestly. I mean, the drugs that 
sure. that 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 we were doing. You know, I, we were doing them. I mean, it sounds funny, but we were doing them in 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 like it was about we were celebrating and writing songs and being creative sure. on okay. drugs. Like I never, I, we weren't using, or at least I personally was not using those drugs because I was sad. You know, for me, I don't. Okay. I didn't want to do drugs when I was sad because it just was kind of a bum out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Things were going so great for us, and you know, it was just a part of the party. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, okay. At least that's what I'm telling myself. You know, but but yeah. after Shannon passed away, I, I had no interest in doing drugs. I was like, okay. like that. You know, that just yeah. ruined my life. So I was not. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't go down that path. You know, I just was paralyzed. Okay. I, couldn't, I couldn't get to work. You know. Sure. Cool. Now, um, so what? Now you say couldn't get to work. So what does work become after this? What what are well, your options? I mean, does a business manager come to you and say, here are your options. We can carry on with a different singer, which I think was something yeah. you guys considered or looked into. Yes. Can, what do you what are you what are you being faced with as options right here? You're 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 exactly right. Your business manager comes to you and he says, you know, if you get a new singer, capital owes you whatever it is, you know, a million dollars for the next record to go make a record, you know? So mm-hmm. like it's all at that point, it's just all about money because all of those yep. guys are getting paid. You know what I mean? Yep. All those yep. guys are bummed too. You know what I mean? We're yeah, like, oh, sure. we're, we're one, we're one of cat's cows for them. So yep. they're trying to get us to, uh, to take the money, whether it's good or not, just to, just to continue. I, I mean, I, I also believe, believe that they wanted us, you know, to continue and to have success, mm-hmm. but I, but I also know that everybody was, you know, getting paid too. So, sure. but that never really, you know, at that point we all had some money. So we were like, that wasn't the reason to continue on. I think the reason to continue on was because we didn't fucking know anything else. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, right. I remember the day, two days after Shannon died, it was like, okay, we're going to keep the band together. We'll get a singer. But honestly, my heart was not in it, even though I agreed mm. at that point to do it. I was done. Um, For me, you know, I was lucky enough to be, it was so crazy there at the end with Blind Melon, and, and and I'm not saying I had one foot out the door, I'm saying that I had one foot looking for the future and just wanted to make sure that I was able to make records the rest of my life. So for me, mm-hmm. instead of buying like a fancy car when we made some money, I went out and bought all amazing like vintage gear, because I, mm-hmm. at that point, was finding artists on the road and getting them record deals and producing, so I I saw my future as a producer, even the last, you know, couple years of Blind Melon, I was like doing a lot of the recordings of, you know, a lot of the recordings on the Nico record are my recordings that I did in hotel rooms. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I, I did have, I did have a a plan, you know what I mean? I didn't know that I'd be uh, doing my plan that soon, but I, but in my head, I knew that Blind Melon at one point would end and I knew that I loved making records. So the the first check I got, I bought gear that guaranteed me if for nothing else, I can stay in my basement (laughs) and make records. Yeah. Um, And honestly, in hindsight, it was the best, thing I ever did. It was the smartest thing I ever did. It was the best cool. investment I ever made. So when I finally got out of bed, I um, I, ha- I met this girl named Amy Korea. I met her at a club called Shanae in New York City. Go. Got no direction, don't even 
I finally kind of came to, I just said, uh, you know, uh, you should come out to Seattle and let's make some recordings. And then I went on and got a record deal. And, and then that just kind of sat me back into work. And then I think, honestly, I used work as a way of, uh, sure. like I didn't use drugs to sort of um, mask the shit I was going through, but I did use work. I mean, I really did Good. work nonstop, you know. That's great. You know, and you were working before, but now the work is just shifted. You're not working in Blind Melon. You're working in producing other people. Yeah. You're getting your feet wet, building up yeah. some credibility as a producer. Okay. And I was stoked, you know, and I was stoked. I was, you know, I was, of course, missing it terribly and missing Shannon and all that, but I was, I always had planned on moving into production and sure. um, I just loved being in the studio so much and I just loved that whole process and and um, so, yeah, then I just moved into that, you know, and, and, and I yeah. was really lucky because I was I was still the guy from Blind Melon. So people were answering my phone calls. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I said I have a great artist that I just found and I did these demos for, I was I was able to get anybody on the phone and I was able to go to their office and play them, you know, stuff that I was yeah. working on. And that that really worked to my benefit. I was really lucky. I felt really lucky. You know. Sure. You had a name. You you were yeah. a band, you know, the band was out there in the zeitgeist. People, oh, yeah, I mean, that's like, an, that's, you're not a nobody. That You were popular enough, people probably picked your sound. And they, yeah. if you can bring that sound to them, they're probably, they're into that idea, right? So, yeah. This, yeah. I think so they now, trusted my ears, too, because I had well, a track true. record yeah. at a certain point, too, you know. Definitely. I've done it a few times, so I think people started trusting that if I were going to, call them up and say I need to play you something then I think I, I started I, I gained the trust with some of the A&R guys and stuff. that's great so had you relocated to Seattle then at this point well I moved to Seattle uh, right after we made the very first Blind Melon record I moved up there and then I stayed there you know when Shannon passed away I, I was still there Shannon passed away in 95 oh. and I stayed until 2000 now, now I live back in Los Angeles but uh, okay. at that point I was living in Seattle interesting now you guys, I um, you how did you guys come together? I mean, I don't want to get too behind the music on how you you know on all the background, but were you yeah, guys yeah. buddies and like let's form a band or was this this was sounded to me like it was more of like an advertisement in mag, in the newspaper type thing looking for well, this looking for that kind of well as part of the story like I met I placed an ad out looking for a bass player and that's how I met Brad. And then he okay. played in my project for a little bit. And then, like, maybe six months later, he called me. We, I mean, we became friends at that point. But maybe six months later, he called and just said, wow, I was just introduced to this most amazing frontman, and we're forming a band, and we need a guitar player. Rogers okay. is out here. We need another guitar player. So I went. I met Shannon. He sat down. He played me Jane Says by Jane's Addiction. And he played oh, me a song called yes. Right and on. he played me a song called Change. I don't feel the sun's coming out today.
being on our first record, and I was just sure. completely and totally floored. I remember, yeah. I remember just walking away from that meeting, just thinking like he was one yeah. of those guys that I was always reading about in all my sort of like you know rock and roll documentary or uh, biographies. You know what I mean? Like, really? he was like yeah, he, he had all those. Yeah, like, it was all of them wrapped. It was Jim Morrison, and you know he was Mick and Keith all wrapped sure. up the an axle. I mean, he was, he was they were he was all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, all that frontman charisma. You felt it, and you thought this is where I want to be. Oh, hell yeah! Oh hell wow! Yeah. Now, what were you guys? I, this is something I've been curious about. I mean, what were you guys listening to that was influencing you? I mean. You know, obviously the thing, I don't necessarily consider you grunge, but you happen to come into, you know, you became famous around the same time as everyone else from the grunge era. Those guys, it's pretty clear, they came in, they took bands like The Replacements and Husker Du and The Smithereens and turned up the distortion, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. But I'm wondering what the, what were you guys listening to? Were you listening to your older brother's Grateful Dead records? What were you listening to that created this sound because the 80s which was right behind you doesn't have yeah. a lot of this folky stuff not that you're folky yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah yeah no totally um, you're right we we didn't come from the grunge thing I mean we, we really had no no place in that world although we're lumped in just because of the time frames because it's the exactly. 90s you know so but yeah you know we were listening to more classic you know rock bands and the, or, you know Zeppelin and the Beatles and yes the Grateful Dead and and uh, the Allman Brothers Band and Traffic and, okay. you know, uh, Blind Faith and, you know, yeah. all, like, you know, we were, you know, Glenn, Glenn, when Glenn joined the band, he was, uh, he was really instrumental in, in, in almost like kind of schooling us on great records. You know what I mean? Like he really? was like, he's like, he's quite like a historian and he's, he was really turning us on to these, to these records that really, I, I would say really influenced the band. I mean, Glenn had a lot to do with that. To, with that sound one nobody plays like glenn so sure he immediately yeah. changed changed our sound and then just the fact that he was kind of turning us on to all these like great records you know um that all that you know all that kind of helped but i remember we were listening to a lot of almond brothers <laughs> Or something. Okay. I don't know. Really young, yeah. Huh. Twenty-three. I'm I don't know. Think what I was, yeah, because I'm 42 now. So in '92, I would have been 22. And yeah. uh, I don't. I mean, I was. You know, you, you go through kind of a classic rock phase. Um, but I don't know that I was listening to. I knew who Traffic was, but I don't know that I was listening to a lot of Traffic or Almond Brothers. You know, at that point in my life, you guys were into some pretty heavy, heady stuff. You're kind of bypassing, you know, the synthesizers of the 80s, the heavily processed stuff. Oh, yeah, You're going no, right I, I, 
back yeah, around to I, classic rock. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we 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 completely bypassed everything in the eighties. We go, we we started at at, at nineteen sixty seven, and 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 our record yeah. collection was was ending by nineteen seventy nine. I would say. Got it. Got it. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, back to Glenn's influence, that was that was a big a big Glenn Glenn's influence. But you know, I, I'll also say this: at the same time, it was also really inspiring. You know, because you, you think about this: you're coming out of the '80s, and you have all this like awful or whatever, in my opinion, hair metal stuff that wasn't sure. really connecting with me personally. Um, right. And then you know, but I remember we had the advanced copy of the Ten record, Pearl Gems Ten record, and mm-hmm. then we had the advanced copy of the the uh, Nirvana record, and you know, even though we didn't sound like those bands, I, I, I would have to say there's some influence. I think we were inspired, you know. We were inspired that they were making records that didn't sound like, you know, mm-hmm. metal bands, that didn't sound like the 80s, you know, winger and, yeah. and, and yeah. bands like that. Like, I think that kind of made us feel like we could be whatever we wanted to be because, like, Nirvana and Pearl Jam sounded so different in, like, Soundgarden. Like, they all kind of mm-hmm. had their own thing and... It yeah. kind of felt like it was kind of wide open for us, so I think we had a feeling of feeling free and just really finding our own sound, you know. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it really did. There's a. You probably felt kind of a kinship. Well, it was it was in the zeitgeist. I mean, it's all you musicians. You all kind of felt. You felt something. It seems like from an outsider's point of view. I mean, everything changed so drastically right then. When you guys came together as Blind Melon, were you? Did you bond? Over a um, over a love of that kind of music, were you or were you sort of still finding your sound? I was reading about one of your EPs that was meant to have come out before the debut album. Sounded yeah. too produced, too processed, right? So it really was the mixes, you know. In hindsight, because Brad and I went back and actually mixed mixed those recordings about a year ago, and and the recordings are great. It was just the mixes kind of had these bad, like big reverb sounds and like. You know, by then I was always, you know, I was even, I was thinking like a producer and I just was studying records and, you know, I wanted the record to be dry. And, and so that record had all these reverbs. So we kind of turned against that, that EP that we made, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I were you guys kind of finding your way as you went along, like, you know, gravitating toward a specific sound or was the sound kind of what bound you all together and or bonded you guys all oh, together in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we never really talked. It's funny, people even ask me, like, you know, how do you and Rogers play guitar together? And, like, we don't, we didn't really talk. We didn't really say, like, this is who we want to sound like. It was, like, we sounded like that the day kind of Glenn joined the band. And I think that that was a big defining point for us because he's, you know, so unique. And then the interplay between Rogers and I, the way we were playing guitars, it, we weren't trying to follow anything. Of course, we were inspired by you know the Stones and Zeppelin and all the great and all the sure. greats, but mm-hmm. we never really mapped it out. You know, we weren't really uh, we didn't really communicate that way. It was we were all writing individually, and then we we're also writing as a band in these sort of jam moments, mm-hmm. and um, and that's just the sound that happens be- between yeah. you know when the five of us are in a room. That's just kind of what it sounds like. We didn't really map it out, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm always curious about that. You know, how how bands stumble on their sound, and then if they like, you know, do they feel pigeonholed by that sound? Like, do they feel like it defines them forever, or do they feel like, you know, they that's how they like to be, so they just kind of continue to work within it? 
was curious how people come across that. Well, I think um, that's one of the, like, X factors that you, it's really hard to bottle up and it's really hard to even define, like, you know, how a band finds their sound. I think that's a, it's a really tough that's a really tough question because I think it's that it's that little magic dust that you, you yeah. just don't know when it shows up. And it's it's really what the word chemistry, when people talk about chemistry yeah. with bands, that's really what they're talking about. It's like, how does, a, how does a great band define their sound? It's just the chemistry between the four or five guys in that room. That's how they define the sound. It's that chemistry right. between them. And that's just that, that's that thing that's just super hard to define, you know? That's really Either interesting. Either you have it yeah. or you don't. You know? Yeah, you really do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, okay, let's talk about soup for a second. That album was different, you know? I mean, it still sounded like Blind Melon, but it was kind of more on the fringe. It had a different yeah. sound, different vibe altogether. Sure. And when it first came out, it wasn't, it didn't do that great. You know what I'm saying? No, um, it got, it got ter- terrible reviews. We thought we made a masterpiece, and we were shocked yeah. to find out. We were shocked to find out that the press did not agree with us. Yeah. Uh, but I tell you, it's... It, it, Something turned around at some point in the last 20 years, and then now I keep finding it on, like, the best record of the 90s. Like, I keep finding Good. it on those lists, and I'm like, are these the same people who told me it was yeah. 20 years ago? Yeah. That's I what think, I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. Well, I think we freaked people out. Honestly, I think people, more than anything, expected, you know, No Rain was, was bigger than the band, and I think people mm-hmm. just expected us to continue down that path. But the truth is, is No Rain was the oddball song on the first record. We sure, it really was. For the, yeah. for the most part, we don't sound like that. That was a great song that kind of snuck into the universe and, and, and you know, made us famous for it. But mm-hmm. it, but it's not, it wasn't really the defining sound of the band, you know. And I think the Soup yeah. record was, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a pushback, you know, from that mm-hmm. sound, you know what I mean? I think... I don't know. It was never, like I said, we didn't really discuss it, but I think subconsciously we were all maybe trying to push ourselves away from that song a bit, even though we were grateful really? for the success. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I should really just speak for myself. I would say, personally, I think I was. You know what I mean? I think Yeah. it was frustrating that we were defined by a song that we really didn't feel like sounded mm-hmm. like the band. It was a part of the band, but it wasn't, it felt like the odd, you know, the odd song. So sure. I think for me, uh, what I was writing for the Soup record was was maybe a push a pushback from that, you know. 
Huh. So it was never spoken. It wasn't a you know a united front. Let's go a different no. way. No, you just no. all naturally went there, or maybe because Suit didn't have an outlier like No Rain on it, people are confused by it, right? They only know, like you were saying, it's like Extreme and that More Than Words song. That's nothing yeah. like anything else they ever did, but that's yeah, what exactly. defines them for the rest of their lives, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But no, we never discussed the new sound of the band. You know, you have to you have to think we were you know we toured nonstop for two years. So the band that we were when we made the first record, yeah. compared to the band after two years of you know playing every day, that's just a different band. You're just not yeah. the same band. I don't know how we would have gone back to repeat the first record because we were such a different band. You know what I mean? So that yeah. was just yeah. you know that record is just. That's just how we were playing. I mean, we were really firing on all pistons. We were playing better than ever on that soup record. We had a we had a telepathy amongst us yeah. that was that was so so bonded, you know. I remember just Good. feeling like the writing process was was just really fun. I just felt like everybody was really coming to the table and delivering like killer songs and Good. Yeah, so, it was fun. So outsiders may view it as some kind of a sophomore slump. I mean, every band gets that label on their second album, you know. But sure. you guys internally are feeling really solid about it. You're not challenged by it. You're not having a hard time. You feel good about what you've put out there. Sounds we like, were right? stoked. Yeah, okay, we were good. stoked. And 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 the the one thing that I would say was an influence for me personally is I remember sitting in the back of the bus and, um, you know, we were on Capitol and Radiohead was on Capitol and, you know, Pablo Honey, we were like, oh, okay, cool. They were like our label mates and, we, you know, we loved Creep and it was all cool. But I remember when um, when um, the Benz, I remember we got a, a pre, like a pre-advanced version of the Benz. I remember sitting in the back of the bus with Shannon, Shannon and listening to the Benz. And I remember just thinking, like, holy fucking shit, did they ever raise the bar? You know what I mean? I remember almost being yeah. pissed. You know, yeah. you talk, you're talking about the band that used to be Pablo Honey, and then, uh -huh. and, then, and then you put on the band, and you're like, what are they taking? We need some yes. of that. You know what I mean? Yes. And yeah. for me, I won't speak for the band, but I just remember that moment with Shannon in the back of the bus. Like, somebody from Capitol was like, oh, here's the new Radiohead record. And we put it on, and we were like, god damn it. You know what oh, I mean? Like, yeah. like, man, did they raise the bar. So, yeah. for me, I would say that Soup record was not inspired, but I would say that that record definitely uh, was pushing me to, you know, just think outside yeah. the box or just to be freer, I guess, you know, to not have Very to follow cool. what you just did, you know. Yeah, good, good. Uh, yeah. By the way, The Benz is still my favorite radio head album. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I, I appreciate and respect their experimentations and sometimes they nail it but the bands to me just track for track oh man that's every where they song. nailed it to me that's no, what it's I a think. 10 yeah, yeah. It's a fucking 10 every song yeah. is a 10 you know? yeah so, agreed yeah. Um, okay so but I'm curious if you I mean this is maybe a hard question to answer um, it's hard to, it's a hard, hard one to ask where do you think you guys would have ended up you know another what would your third 
album had sounded. You know what? That's actually not the right question. What do you think the reception of your third or fourth albums would have been? What do you think the perception in the marketplace toward Blind Melon would have been yeah. on the third or fourth album? You know what I mean? Well, I do know what you mean, and of course I've thought about it. I, I'm positive, you know, as positive as I could be without sure. it actually happening. I, I feel like we were we were going to have, you know, some, uh, you know, sales wise. That record uh-huh. was just it was just not going to happen. We knew that we knew that right away when it got just terrible reviews. Um, but I but I believe that we were writing so much at that point, and I was hearing a bunch of songs that were floating around. I really believe that we would have maybe been humbled, and maybe reeled it back in a little bit, and and maybe would have, you know, had the thought of like making sure we had singles. Let me tell you something. At that point, you know, it, it's the grunge grunge days. We we just made a ton of money. We're super successful. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. says to you, like, hey, you should do an edit on that song because we can get it on the radio. And we're like 20-year-old punks. We're like, yeah, fuck you, true. record company. No way. Yeah. You're not changing anything. So maybe right. I'd like to think that we would have grown up a little bit a couple years yeah. later and yeah. we would have been humbled and maybe we would, we would have said, like, hey, you know what? Let's write 20 more songs just to make sure we have some mm-hmm. songs that, you know, that maybe will make our yeah. lives easier. Maybe we would have thought that. I, I'd like to think that that's probably what would have happened. I I heard some songs, you know, that Shannon was writing right at the end, you know, and and mm-hmm. I, you know, and I hear those songs and I think, wow, those those are going to make a great third record, you know. Yeah. And that that never really happened for us. I mean, we made the Nico record. Maybe we don't have 
we never have that success of no rain, and maybe we never get on the radio again, but maybe we play theaters the rest of our lives because yeah. we have a great following and we can play our instruments. You know, maybe that's the other version. I wondered of about that. Yeah, I've wondered that exact same thing about you guys. Huh, okay. Um, now, I want to ask, let's talk about you personally for a minute. First of all, I didn't realize until just a little bit ago, reading up on you, did you play guitar on lives, uh, The Distance to Here? Or The Distance I did. from Here, or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, is that you on The Dolphin's Cry? The way you're bathed in light Reminds me of that night God laid me down into your rose Garden of trust And I was swept away With nothing left to say Some helpless fool Yet I was lost In a swoon of peace You're all I need to find So when the time is right Come to me sweetly Come to me and then I did a, a tour I toured with them for a little bit you know they were good friends of mine and uh, they asked me to well I guess you're both from in... Pennsylvania did you know yeah, them from yeah. back there um, I didn't know them from when I lived in Pennsylvania but check this out Blind Melon Live PIL and Big Audio Dynamite did a tour in like 91, 92 
And the yeah. first day of the tour is the 120 minute tour. The first day of the tour, I show up and those guys are like, "Hey, we hear you're from York. I'm, we're from York." And I was like, "Really?" And no then way. we became friends at that point, but I didn't know them when I lived in Pennsylvania back, you know, back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, but so they, you know, they were friends and, and um, they decided that they wanted Ed to be more of a front man. And they, they asked me to, you know, kind of join the band and make that record with them. And I did some touring with them and I had a great experience. They were all, they were really awesome to me. And um, for me, I just wanted to do my own project. So I, I didn't, I didn't stay with the band because I just, yeah. I was always, you know, writing my own songs and, you know, and I just come out of, you know, the blind melon world. And that was, you know, I was a part of that. And it was sure. hard for me to just be a side man at that point. Yeah. I had a hard, yep. hard time with that transition. I was so used to making decisions and being a part of the art, you know, right. but, but anyway, sure. I had a great experience. Those guys were awesome to me and it was, it was really, it was, it was fun. Wow. That's wild. So you could have potentially, if you had decided to kind of suck it up, been a permanent member of live after. Yeah. I think so. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's wow. I mean that's what they were offering me. You know, they said we want you to uh, you know be in the band. You know? That was on the table. That's crazy. Do you? Um, I mean, are you are you happy with you know the the trajectory your career went? I mean, it sounds like you you were prepared to get into production and it happened sooner than you wanted, but you've succeeded at it, right? You've built a career out of that. Yeah, super happy. I mean, that's where I was headed anyway. I just kind of, ju- I just jumped into it, you know, maybe a few years before I thought I was going to, but I was, you know, I, I love making records and I, I feel like it's, I feel so privileged and lucky that I, I wake up every day and I go out in my studio and I, I make records. It's, it's, yeah. that's a, that's a dream. That's a dream, you know, it's mind like blowing. I, I mind blowing. I have to pinch myself every day. I'm like, Oh my yeah. God, I get to get up at noon go out to my studio you know what i mean like i mean yeah. I, I got it pretty good man you know I'm yeah blank, yeah you know i mean i'm around incredible people and incredible musicians and i wake up and i get to make art every day i mean i'm the i'm the luckiest motherfucker out there man i'm, I'm not complaining you know you are i i had a good run with blind melon and um but i was really lucky enough to continue working in the music business and i've never I've, it's the only thing that I've that I know at this point. It's yeah, all I've ever, sure. all I've done, you know. And um, I mean, you can be as specific about this as or as vague as you want. But do you continue to? Let's say you didn't do anything else. Could you live off blind melon money? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you yeah. have a co-write on No Rain? I assume you do. Yeah, yeah. No, we all we all wrote songs, so we all have writer credits on that. Okay. Uh, on the okay. on the record. I mean, some some more some. Some more than others, you know. What I mean, depending right. on what okay. kind of what you brought in. But uh, you know, honestly, if I lived uh, in a small town, yeah, I, I, okay. would, I would. You know, I wouldn't. I okay. could probably coast on the money. You know, we're really lucky those records still sell. I mean, knock on wood. I mean, I never imagined anybody would even be talking to me about a record yeah, I made I twenty years that. ago. But but yeah. for some reason, matter of fact, in the past, like. 10 years it's like we've kind of seen sales go up in a weird way i think wow. the records are getting passed down from older brother to younger brother yeah. or what a younger sister I, I don't know honestly i just know that we never sold our publishing so we own our publishing and that was oh nice. probably the single most important thing yeah. we ever did really yeah yeah so that is great yeah so you really um smart decision how do you, I mean, so do you make your living now primarily, I mean, you get your blind melon residuals. Do you guys still, 
I think you still play occasionally, right? I don't know. What's the state of Blind Melon these days? We play. We play like, I don't know, we play like a half a dozen shows a year. We usually try to pick a fun country to go to, and then, you know, we go. And, you know, it's just a way for us to get back together. And, I I mean, I I feel an obligation, uh, you know, it sounds so cheesy to say, but I feel an obligation to go out and play those songs. One. Sure. You know, it, 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 for me, it's like my way to connect with Shannon when I play those songs. So to me, yeah, it's agreed. like I'm get I'm getting together with my old friends, including Shannon, that for that night to hear his words, and right. to be around my you know my guys that I made those records with. It's it's really fun. You know, we we have a good time. You know, it's really fun. Yeah. Everyone's real busy. Like I have a new project, and Rogers is an attorney, and Glenn's busy, Brad's busy, but we still we still it's still important for us to. Call, yeah. go out there and do it and it feels like people still care we go to South America and you know we do really well in right. certain places and so you know we want to keep the name alive yeah for sure I was listening to For My Friends today yeah. Travis Warren sounds great. I mean, I don't... And you guys all sound like a tight band. I don't notice yeah. a difference in quality. I mean, so often, let's be honest, when bands switch out their lead singer, something is often lost, you know? Hey, it's super uh, hard. More times than no. not, right? Yeah, But you guys course. sound like you're in a good place. So when you play these shows, these half a dozen shows, it sounds like you... You're picking spots. Do you like to play? Are you bigger elsewhere, or do you draw a higher crowd, or do you just like to get out of the States? What determines yeah. where you're playing? Well, I mean, for me, I just like to travel out of the States just because it's more fun. It's, you know, yeah. it's exotic, and people have funny accents, and it's, it's great. You know what I mean? It's, it's like a vacation. Yeah. It's a vacation. Right, so, right, you know what I mean? right. It's a vacation, so. Yeah. Um, but you know, we just we just wait for certain opportunities that make you know that make sense, and, and a lot of it depends on people's schedule, and you know that, that part of it's kind of tough. But we we just yeah. find you know we find like our manager goes, hey, you have an offer to go play, you know, even if it's whatever, you know, Idaho or something. It's like okay, sure. cool, we're all no one's doing anything that weekend. Great, let's get back together, let's do it, you know. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so that's how we, that's how it's determined, you know. And you, but you, so there's those six shows or whatever, and there's royalties from Blind Melon, but you primarily make a living now um, as a producer. Yeah, like that's you know between between sort of the you know the the uh, royalties I have coming in from you know production stuff, and then 
and then you know the Blymel royalties is you know between between those you know few streams. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. It's expensive, so if I lived in a, right. a smaller city, I, it'd be a lot easier for me to coast, you know. But um, but I like to work. Honestly, I can't imagine not working because I I actually love to work. So that's great. That's great, yeah. man. And how blessed are you that you get to just be, like you were saying earlier, just be in music as a career and do art for your life. I mean, it's you all I mean? ever wanted. You know what I mean? It's and it's, it's all I ever wanted. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know, I know. Like, I, I, I don't ever forget that, you know. And I think one of the things I learned from Shannon's death is that I had forgotten what a privilege it was. You know what I mean? You know, you uh-huh. start to take shit for granted. You know, you're 20-something and you have all the success and you kind of just start complaining and you realize you kind of forget what a gift it is. You know what I mean? You take for granted yeah. being on the stage every night and then one day somebody calls you and goes, okay, well, guess what? Now it's all gone. Now how do you feel about yeah. that? Now, how yeah. lucky did you feel? You know what I mean? And right. I never lost. I mean, that one, that was the biggest lesson for me when Shannon passed away. And I told myself I would never forget that it's a privilege to walk on a stage every night and play for people. It's not your fucking right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, right. You, don't, you don't get to just do that because you, like, played your guitar when you were a kid and learned a bunch yeah. of chords. You know, it's um, it's a real gift to be able to do it, so... I just have more fun now playing because I think just because I have that attitude where I'm like, well, I get to play my guitar again today. Sure. This is That's awesome. Amazing. You know, That's I don't amazing. forget that. Um, yeah. Is anything going on with Unified Theory? just never felt right we were getting boxes and boxes of cassette tapes and honestly i never listened i never listened to one because honestly it it, it felt like my heart was breaking every time i opened up a box i just couldn't do it so for me what felt better is for me to just start from scratch find a new singer reform a band and start over again that felt more right to me as an artist compared to Going for the money grab, like the accountant's telling us, just yeah. get it, you know, instead of just getting a new singer and continuing as Blind Melon, for me, I just wanted to make some great art. So I formed an, a band. I met this amazing singer named Chris Shin in Los Angeles. I actually moved back to Los Angeles just to find a singer. So I was living. Oh, really? Yeah, I was living down here and just going out every night and having a million meetings and just right. asking people who the next amazing singer was. I, I met Chris, and then we started. We started Unified Theory, and we had a good run. We got signed to Universal, and it was a real bad time in the music business. It was right when the whole thing started imploding, and um, and like you know, everybody's kind of like companies are going under and getting swallowed up, and there was a there was such a fear at that point in the in the business. But we did. We got signed to Universal, which was cool, and 
right. we toured and we didn't sell a lot of records um, but we had great shows we were doing we were doing yeah. pretty good business touring it was a great great touring band and That's um, great. yeah it's fun we had a good time it it felt good to it actually felt good to start over you know what I mean it, yeah really, I bet it did it was it was it was fun you know is that pretty much shelved or would that ever come back or you is it just Kind of, it was what it, it I don't was, think, and it's over with well, I think, it's funny, I was just talking to Christian today, as a matter of fact, we were talking about oh. uh, maybe working together on just some, not as unified theory, but he's, uh, I think, yeah. he's ready to make a solo record, and he, you know, he was like, hey, you should come and help, blah, 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 so, uh-huh. um, so, no, I don't think unified theory would get back, I mean, quite honestly, I just started, you know, a new project, and, you know, for me, I, I hate to even hear musicians say this, but for me, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, I'm going to say it, it's the truth. For me, I feel like I've made the best record I've made now since my soup record. I mean, this is the first really? record I've made that I really, truly, honestly, in my heart, feel like this is the best work that I've done since the soup record. And I've made a lot of great records. It's no disrespect to all sure. the other records I made. I'm just saying, for me, this one just feels like just feels like who I, who I want to be right you know right now. So. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about my own project and we're, you know, getting ready to launch it. We have a finished record and so it's hard for me to think about, you know, doing, going back to Unified Theory and things like that when I'm excited by a new project, you know. What, can you, can you give me any details about the new project? Yeah, I can. It's called, yeah, yeah, it's called Sunny Boy Thorn Act. some private shows we were playing the speakeasy at like four in the morning uh-huh. first few shows we did just to kind of stay off the radar but yeah. we just started playing our first public shows it's been really fun i'm really i'm really excited it's the first record that made me want to kind of go tour the world again really yeah how did you how did this sunny boy thorn that's what it's yep. called yep. how did you guys come together are you guys from other bands did you how did yeah you, how did this happen well this happened um I was in AWOL Nation at the time. Sam! 
I was on the road quite a bit, and um, but before I went on the road with AWOL, I produced this band um, called Vauxhall, Vauxhall Broadcast, and, and they were just my favorite band in L.A. I just thought they were the absolute, they were just, they were it, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And um, so I reached out to the singer um, in between pours, in between some AWOL tours. I reached out to him, and I said, you know what? I know you have your project. You're in Vauxhall. I'm doing the AWOL thing now. But on our time off, let's like hang out and write songs. I want to do like another project because yeah. AWOL, Aaron writes all those songs, and I just felt like I wasn't being creative, and I wanted uh-huh. to, I wanted to, I wanted to start from scratch again. Really, I wanted to start mm-hmm. something. You know, I wanted to be a part of something from the ground up. So Davey and I started writing uh, in between tours, and then around the same time, I left AWOL and Vauxhall Broadcast uh, ended. So we just started making it our priority. So we just yeah. really started digging in. And I was around that same time, I was having sort of these like jam nights at my studio here in uh, in Silver Lake. And um, okay. friends would come over. There would be some drinking and people, sure. we started making some noise. And then I started recording them. So it was sort of like the jams I was doing kind of molded into what Davey and I were doing. And so we just started inviting musicians over to play on some of these songs that Davey and I were working on. And then kind of before we knew it, we had, you know, a lot of different musicians played on it. Uh, my buddy Rami, who plays in the Foo Fighters now, used to be in the Wallflowers. Uh, he played keys over it. Uh, Matt Flynn, who is the drummer for Maroon 5, is my neighbor. So he would be, yeah. he was oh, coming yeah. over in between his tours, <laughs> playing drums. <laughs> Uh, Glenn Graham was in town one uh, weekend, and we cut like three or four songs with Glenn one night. Wow. There were all these kind of like loose, crazy party yeah. nights that we kind of did some recordings. Not all of them, but uh, some of them. The, the ones that feel like a rock and roll party are were actually a party going yeah. on at the studio that I just oh, happened to capture. And then yeah. Jim Keltner, the legendary Jim Keltner, played what? drums. Oh, yeah, on a couple really? songs. Yeah, I reached Whoa. out to him. I toured with him in the 90s. He was in Neil Young's band. It was Booker T. Oh, sure, uh, sure. Jim Keltner, uh, Steve Cropper, and Duck Dunn were all in Neil Young's band when we yeah. when Blind Melon opened up for Neil. So I, oh, I, man. somebody gave me Jim's number, and I just kind of cold called him and just said, I was kind of like, oh, I hope this guy doesn't hang up on me. So I was right, like, hey, right. hey, it's Christopher. I used to be in Blind Melon. I toured with you. And as soon as I got done, and he was like, hey, how you doing? Oh, nice. We talked oh, for like great. an hour. So he oh. came over and played on um, on a song called Ain't That the Deal and then a couple other songs. Oh, I'm a wonder of a sleepless night. Oh, I'm a dream that can occur. Keep holding now for something to happen right.
Yeah, yeah, oh, that's it was great. Fun, fun record. A lot of, lot of different people. I'm, I'm sure I'm even forgetting some other people that, that are, sure, that are on it. But uh, the drummer from AWOL wow. Nation played on a song or two, a couple songs, and it was really that's just great, about having great. friends come over and sure. hanging out in a studio. You know, like yeah. making records. How I imagine they made, they made records in my. For me, like the golden period is sort of like, sure. you know, the 70s, you know, when they were making records with these giant budgets and they had lots of time. Yes. I get to yeah. live in that world because I own my own studio. So for me, I have lots of time to like yeah. make, a, make a record and make it what I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, good for you, man. Well, when, yeah, what's, the, what's the schedule on this? What's the timeline? Well, we we literally just launched everything sort of in the social media world, and you know we have our, you know Instagram and what yeah. Twitter and blah 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 all the all okay. that stuff, and we just started playing uh, shows. We're doing the residency, and we're just starting to invite you know kind of business people down just to see who right. if, if we want to partner up with somebody, you know all that stuff is so different these days and. Sure. I'm uh, always trying to figure out how to navigate through it, and you know, and uh, we've been talking to some some great managers, and we have a great manager right now. This girl named Rinda's been working with us, and she's done an incredible job. And so we're, you know, we're just trying to figure it out. But I know most important is I feel like I've made the best record I've made in 20 years, yeah. and I I awesome. just want to go out and play at this awesome. point, you know. That's great. So that's where my head is, you know. Good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, look, make, we're coming I'll, up on it now. Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I'll make sure I send you the legal, link when we have it. I would up. love that. I'd love it. Um, okay, we're coming up on an hour, but I want to hear some stories. And we spent enough time talking about the dark stuff. I want to hear <laughs> the best stories. I want to hear I want to hear the mind-blowing stories. When you got discovered, when you get your first big check, the most memorable show, interactions with your heroes, Give me a couple of, like, the first most life-changing stories that pop in your mind when you think about that, you know, that tie up, that typhoon that was Blind Melody. I assume yeah. that's where oh most my God. of your big stories come from. But yeah, you can tell boy. me from whatever chapter of your life you want. But I'm, oh, God, I want to hear boy. some cool stories. <laughs> that's such a big well. I don't even know where to begin. But, huh. I mean, there was, you know, I mean, honestly, there was just, you know, there's just so many of them. I mean, like, for starters, just opening up for your heroes was just, yeah. you know, absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, I, I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but I, I had such a moment. We opened up for Paige and Plant, and, you know, Paige is the reason why I play guitar, Paige and Keith Richards, you know. So for me, I, I remember I remember literally standing on the side of the stage, and we just opened up for Paige and Plant, and they're playing these songs that that literally, I feel like it. those songs, their songs changed the DNA in my body. Like, I, sure. I know that it had some major change when I heard Zeppelin three and, you know, and, um, and all those records. But for some reason, Zeppelin three was the first one that hit me so hard and made me go, this yeah. is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. And I remember Zeppelin having a moment on stage. Oh man. So good. Yeah. And they were playing a lot of that stuff on good. the, on yeah. the board. I remember having a moment on the stage and, you know, and I'm just like, I literally had tears in my eyes just going like, is this really my fucking life? This is crazy. You know? And, and, yeah. and, and then, you know, like all my heroes, I love every time I met one of them because I love when somebody like Robert Plant walks over and introduces himself as Robert yeah. Plant, as if you oh didn't know. God. Like I love, <laughs> and, I, and we had that moment with everybody we opened up for, like whether it was Ozzy, you know, Ozzy, yeah. 
I remember Ozzy oh. coming into our into our dressing room and going, you know, hi, I'm Ozzy, and we're like, yeah, we know yeah. who you are, and you know, <laughs> like, and yeah, this is weird. Um, and then you know, it happened, you know, like in the split the stones, like those guys changed my life too. So we did yes. a couple weeks with those guys, and you know, those those moments were just, you know, they were beyond a boy's dream. Quite honestly, sure, it was like sure. I didn't, I never dreamed about that stuff. You know, I mean, you dream like. Oh, I hope I have a gold record is kind of as far yeah. as the dream goes. But when the dream goes so far beyond that, you kind of can't even process it for many years, you I know. Bet. I bet. Yeah. You know. So, um but yeah, you know, Shannon was a lot of fun and 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 we, you know, he made us laugh, you know, so, you know, so often whether it was, you know, when we opened up for you know, Guns N' Roses, we did a lot of touring with Guns N' Roses playing stadiums, you know, playing to like 80,000 uh-huh. people and you know, like Shannon was such a good time. Like one day he decides they had a little uh, acoustic set in the middle of their of their big sort of rock show, and they kind of uh-huh. sat on couches. And every night during the tour, somebody would bring them a pizza, and that was just kind of oh. part of the show. So one day Shannon decided to walk out completely naked with like some sort of crazy hat on and deliver the uh-huh. pizza. Like so, just like moments like that are just. I mean, there were so many of those. Like Shannon yeah. was always the one that wanted to make you laugh. Yeah, and um, you know, just oh, right I mean, where he's always doing, you know, crazy stuff, you know. And some of them are, when I look back at it, some of them are funny stories, and some of them are tragic. I mean, the night we played, uh, we we're opening up for Lenny Kravitz, and Shannon peed on the audience, you know, like oh, I mean, that was, you know, that was like <laughs> wow, like you know, I really realized we had, we had definitely spun out of control. I mean, at the time, I thought it was kind of funny now i look sure. back i'm like well oh, well it's funny but it's kind of tragic but yeah um, yeah but for me that was a moment because that night so he pees on an audience we had to like try to sneak him out of the country it was like this whole big thing oh, there was cops man. everywhere it was like a it was a big big deal and then what the band didn't know was that i was eloping that next day so oh. i actually yeah so i didn't tell anybody i literally split that night drove back to seattle flew to new york got married in Washington, uh, in uh, Washington Square Park, and then flew to Paris. And the next, so the next day, I wake up in Paris. And when I went to sleep, we left the TV on. And I'll never forget waking up in Paris, and it was like their version of MTV, whatever they called it. And they were uh-huh. talking about Shannon peeing on the audience in Vancouver. No. And I was just like, wow, this is like my life's great. Wow, <laughs> this is crazy. What a surreal <laughs> moment. Yeah, like totally surreal. You feel like the world's talking about you, and it was a yeah. trip. No, we got we got quite a bit of press, good and bad, out of that. Yeah, of that yeah. One. We were having a good time, and there's there's lots of crazy there's lots of crazy, fun things going on, you know. Sure. Um, but you know, we were lucky, you know. Let me ask you this: What did you um, what did you do to celebrate when you got discovered? When you when it seemed clear that you we're now making a living full time and could support yourself as a musician. Yeah. What did you do? How'd you celebrate? Um, well, I bought a house. <laughs> oh, well, mean. there you go. Wow. <laughs> that was really, you know, that was one of the smartest things I did, you know, bought a house. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, for us, you know, you go from being super, super broke yeah. to then having a bunch of, bunch of money. You still think like a broke kid. So like I, sure. You know, it's weird. Like we still, 
you know, we still lived like we were broke, even though, like, you say, like, oh, you bought a house, you know, but I was still so afraid to spend anything that uh-huh. I wasn't, like, we weren't driving around in fancy cars, you know. I drove, actually, like, a like a, a baby blue Dodge Caravan when I was, like, on nice. the Rolling Stone, you know what I mean? Because I just didn't care about cars, you know. I right, like gear. right. I yeah, like gear, yeah. so, in a house, you know. Um, right. But, uh, you know, I remember, like, a great celebration when we got our gold records, you know, that was a big night for us. You know, sure. like when I moved to Los Angeles, you know, you talk about what your dream was, you know, my dream was to one, to have a record deal. I just wanted a record deal. You know, I'm a kid from Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. I'm moving to LA. I just want a record deal. You know, I don't know anybody in Pennsylvania who has a record deal. It seems like a crazy dream, but I'm going for it. So I get it. So I get a record deal. And then the, really the only other dream I had after that was just to have a gold record. You know, I just wanted yeah. that. So, you know, the night that we celebrated and we had our, like, you know, double platinum, you know, records. Uh-huh. And they, gave, they gave you, like, the gold and the platinum at the same time because it uh-huh. sold so fast at that point. You know, that was a great night, you know. Like, Rolling Stone was there. They were doing a piece on us. And we had this epic dinner. And, you know, it just was a, another crazy, decadent night where we just felt yeah. like that was a moment where I kind of felt like, wow, we... It kind of, ha- you know, you, you have a moment and you're like, wow, man, I guess it happened for us. Like, you know, yeah. is this it? Yeah. You know, because you're, always, you're always trying to define when it, when, uh, when did it happen for you? Like, and that's yeah. one of them. And then the other moment for me was when we played Saturday Night Live, you know, for me, Ooh, you know, growing up yeah. in the 70s and like all my heroes, you know, were sure. on Saturday Night Live. That's the, that's the show yeah, that you're right. you kind of feel like you kind of feel like you made it if they because yeah. they're so cool. So if they choose right. you to be on their show, yeah, you definitely feel big, like all the cool kids. Yep. Yeah, you feel like all the cool kids want to hang out with you, you know. Cool. So um, I remember that being like a real moment for me is is um, just doing Saturday Night Live and just you know just kind of being tripped out that I was there. Yeah. You hear that? You hear that intro? That song you've heard? You know. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, and like, you know, like John Pardo like and musical yeah, guest, like you hear, Blind yeah, Melon. Yeah, yeah, you hear that guy's voice, and you're like, whoa! Like, I definitely you say our name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Crazy. You know? So that was that was a, that was another one of those sort of defining right moments where you're like, whoa, this is cool. Life That's is great. cool. Life yeah. is surreal. I I remember saying that a lot during that period of time. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, look, I uh, I am super grateful. Thank you for talking to me, and uh, I'm just I'm amazed. You're a you're a good dude, and I'm really happy that you've had a great life since that you know the tragedy happened. But you you've managed to create a a great life for yourself and have like a great attitude about it. And yeah, I, I feel think lucky. That's, you know, that's so cool. I'm so happy yeah. for you, man. Yeah, thank I really you so am. much. I appreciate you saying that. I, I just, I just feel lucky. I try to never forget that, and that I like to work, and I just feel lucky, and that's that's all yeah. I know. <laughs> you get to do what you love, and uh, and get paid, and make a life out of it. You know, you that's incredible. Pay your bills doing it. What else is there, right? Uh, no, I know, yeah. I know. It's, um, it's 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 incredible, and it's all because of Blind Melon. You know, I never would have had the future I have now without without that spark that happened for me in yeah. Blind Melon. You know, I, I owe yeah. it all to Blind Melon. It all goes back to that, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you for talking to me. I really I appreciate the fact that anybody still cares after all this time. Oh. So I'm, always, I'm always grateful to talk about the thing. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you, Christopher, so much. I'm desperately in need. 
See, I got a lot of fiends around And they'll be through nothing more There you have it, Christopher Thorne. Wasn't that interesting? I was so grateful that he was willing to go there with me and to help me tell that story. It is such a fascinating look that not many of us would ever know what those moments are like when, like he said, the CEO of your company dies suddenly. It is so sad, but I am so happy for Christopher. He's gone on to do great things, and I'm really proud of him. He was a great guy. All right, next week, we have another big one. Next week, we talk to Johnny Vatos, who is the drummer of Oingo Boingo. We find out what he's been doing ever since that band called it quits in 1995. And uh, it's really interesting. I was a huge, and still am a huge, Oingo Boingo fan. I know there are millions others like me. I'm hoping that you guys will enjoy this one as well. Big thanks to Aaron Syret for producing this podcast and all the rest. We couldn't do it without him. Please communicate with me however you want. Thanks for listening, folks. See, I haven't seen you smile in a while. Well, I'm having a good time.